Choose poetry, choose life here. It's usually the Alta cast, but we have been blessed by my friends in Glasgow, Scotland, uh, Aaron Gannon and Andy Talbot. And poetry is amazing, and there's amazing room, and it's about to start. And we'll plug into the Zoom and hear all the new work and old work and work. I haven't heard it before. Such talented people, too, like from all over the world. I'm having so much fun on these Wednesdays. It's becoming a great highlight of my week here at mutinyradio.fm here in .sf. And uh, 405-550-0511 is our call-in number. Don't do that. Listen in to the great poetry on the Zoom. Choose poetry. Choose life here. And it's going to be great. And we'll be right back. Uh, Pancakes also in the house. And Aaron Atkins is coming in, if you remember him from the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020. He was a big, a big uh, person in that. And he's great. He's back. And he's a poet, too. And he and I share poetry together. And we, he does really good haikus. And we review each other's poetry. And I have a really, really good time with him on the interwebs. Because uh, he likes poetry, too. And poetry is important. Expressing your feelings. And people validating them is important. Okay, we're going to be right back. It's easy for me to kind of be like, oh, I don't know what's going on, but obviously this stuff is huge. Um, I personally am very excited that it's the point in the United States where uh, city council has voted to defund a police department. That is a huge step forward in resituating people's consciousnesses, consciousnesses, I don't know, um, consciousness I. Um, it was very exciting. Uh, and I just thought that we needed to say something about it. And so that I thought in terms of um, creating space to listen as allies, that it, one of the things we could do as, like, you know, clearly I'm a freaking white chick, um, is maybe just give voice, is lend voice, you know, give some space to POC. Um, I'm aware that that's somewhat problematic as if I'm going to be reading, like, and I am going to be reading a Nikki Giovanni poem during my 
time tonight that it's sort of like white people singing the blues. Um, but I also feel that it's important for education to happen and everybody starts at a different place. So the more we can include be inclusive, the better and education is important. So that's kind of why I decided to go ahead and see if people were into um, seeding some of their time tonight to voices of writers of color. So that was that. And so thanks everybody for being cool about it. And I guess, I don't know, Pam, are we ready to go? Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're rocking and rolling. We're, we're, you're, you're plugged in and, uh, yeah. Okay. Hey everybody. Aaron Gannon. Hello. I'm in my Oakland outfit. I've got my Star Wars t-shirt on and my, <laughs> my plaid. I put on a little patchouli oil in, uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> anyway, um, Okay, so I guess our first, uh, and also it's Andy's birthday, which <gasps> I said before. Yay! Happy, Hi. Happy birthday! Happy, happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so our first reader is Elizabeth McGowan. I know I just let her in. Did I say that correctly? I wonder. Uh, wait, where is she? Hello? I could have sworn I just saw her. This is the only thing that's like, ah. What are you doing for, yep. Rue? Do you know where she is? <laughs> yeah, but she's not going to be on the same order that you guys have. Oh, I see her now. Hello. Hi there. Hi. How are you? I am good. Um, I wasn't expecting to be first, so this, this is cool. Um, I have... I'm just trying to locate the piece because, again... Okay. But uh, I'll just do my little kind of blurb first. I am obviously a white person. Um, I signed up for this open mic. Um, I've been meaning to do it uh, for a long time because Andy's in one of my writing groups. Um, I didn't especially know that there was a theme until last night. Um, so I don't necessarily have anything about black people black voices because I'm kind of unsure about the own voices debate and what I should say and where we should stand on that and about being allowed to talk about certain things but I do have a piece that's kind of about it's about lockdown and it's just kind of about racism and disability and sexism and all of the things uh, uh, basically it's about some people adapting to the current situation and some not so I'll just read that now once upon a time a plague came the plague was strong and swift and smart it could find the chinks in armor it was born aloft in air People began to stay in their houses, some houses large, some tiny as bird boxes. And those people in their bird boxes found they needed others, so they began to reach out across oceans, across time zones. They would speak words to each other. The world map became a spider web of links fostered and cultivated in these boxes. On the map, though, there were black spots, dead, spaces, haunted house, icy drafts where no words were spoken. 
The largest collection of these dead spaces together was a blot on the map, and this blot had a name. It was simply called City. City was self-contained. City was self-sufficient. City was self-sustaining. City was selfish. City made a decision that they would wait until this all blows over, until things return to normal, until they could preserve the integrity of the space and the art form. Their gleaming skyscrapers and business suits, their slick, sharp syllables and upwardly mobile lifestyles would protect them from the virus. What they really needed to be protected from was interlopers. What these interlopers looked like, City could not be sure of. They might perhaps have long noses, dark skin. They might be ancient and withered and City could not bear those who were not aesthetically pleasing. They might stumble over words, not create clean lines. They might squeeze or shrink words, constrain consonants and be rural in accent and outlook. City above all else cannot abide a rural outlook, cannot bear anything regional. They might limp, exhibit deformities or be mentally deficient. They might require city to slow and wait for them and city never slows. You must remember that city is not a location, city is a state of mind. City saw the bird boxers, the communicators as outcasts. Of course they were outcasts. Why else would they need so desperately to communicate with people outside themselves? City's communication was all internal, smoothly humming along an oiled mechanism. City knew what City was thinking before City even realized it itself. Bird boxers held up clumsy cups to walls, listened as words filtered along strings and were excited. Excited, City despaired, really such base indignity, to hear what the other person would have to say. Sometimes this communication failed. The string broke, the cup became clogged, language barriers babbled. This Chinese whispering only served to add to the excitement of the bird boxers, though they would giggle at the glitches. They were sure this communication would help them if they just tried harder, if they just tried again, moving their cup around the room in search of that most mysterious of gods, the phi of why. They bared their souls in bedrooms, empty pizza boxes and spreading damp on ceilings to eyes who did not judge because they had the same. He will see your rising damp and raise you a landline a dial-up connection, a neighbor's barking dog. And it gradually emerged in these whispered conversations that people were beginning to forget about City. They had visited once as a child. Student watched the Christmas lights in the toy store window and got the bus home drunk on crowds and magic. A school trip, maybe as a teen to a gallery, the boys would snigger at the paintings of the tits out birds. City was not and never had been a part of their lives. City did not reach out, so they stopped reaching in. They reached for each other instead. Is that, are you? Oh yes, I'm finished, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. That was great. Um, yeah, I don't want anybody to think that they need to be pigeonholed into content. That's not the point. So, but yeah. So, what you? It's perfectly fine to have other subjects touched upon in tonight's show. Um, the second person on our schedule is Chris Campbell. 
Do I see Chris Campbell? I feel like, no. Actually, yeah, I, I can't, I can't see him. So, Bart, what do you think? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Okay, yeah, hey, what's up? Um, fast. Yeah. yeah, that's fast, but I'll find something. Um. <laughs> the god. Flavio has called you, Flavius has called you a god. <laughs> Hi, Flavio. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'll I'll do one of my own, which is just about this guy um in my town that people. So yeah, it's not. Um, I'll do one about Kasavine in Kerry. Well, I'm kind of comparing it to Poland. So I'll do that one. But um, I'll read some other people's poems. I read Paul Be. Anyone's read Paul Be? Um. Like before he wrote, before he won the booker was to sell out, he wrote kind of slam, not kind of spoken word before spoken word existed. Um, so I'll find one quickly. Right, let's go for That's not in my job description. Despite that I overslept and set a Guinness Book World Record for coming in late. It's still time for me to take 15, to take my 15 minute break, pull off my sweater vest, talking shit, press my sneakers on the desk, threaten to call my union rep, because these fools don't stop looking at me crazy, whispering lazy under their breath. But during my siesta, I eavesdrop, I eavesdrop on society's desk. Imagine I'm a distinguished ethnographer on the black pubs, talking in, talking with a British fist in front of a bookshelf. Welcome to Insert Job. Today, we pursue the elusive true nature of Whitey. Notice as our cameras zoom in on a pinstriped pack of business schools, well-groomed Brooks Brothers smoothies encamped around a water cooler, jostling, jostling for room in their natural habitat. Wiping Dunkin' Donut crumbs off their jackets and engaging in debates about topics such as nuclear waste, the China syndrome, alternative methods of heating their homes, and right before the hearse starts to roam, the menfolk take part in the ritual, shooting off the styrofoam cups into a trash basket. If they make it, they dance around like they just saved the world, heading my way, looking for some dap. So I try to look busy, which I'm good at. Start rustling charts, construct some new paper clip art, Chew on my pen cap as if I'm seriously studying my messenger map. Hmm, did you know that Main Street runs perpendicular to beach and parallel with Elm for exactly I, for exactly one and seven eighteenths of a mile, or it intersects with Westcrest? Well, blow me down. I ain't got time to mope, worrying aloud about how I'm a cope with radioactive isotopes and mushroom clouds. When it's me myself that's about to explode. An overloaded low-level, gun-ho, asso, ricochet, coolie. The company Dr. Doolittles thought they knew me. I talked to animals, homo, sialama, push me, pull me, bowing and cowtowing, eating crow, holding my tongue, hands clung so tightly to the bottom rung, can't even reach for the glass ceiling. My feet 
transplanted in corporate dung, grown roots in the ground zero, terra firma of affirmative daily inaction. Copy, mop, remember the blue ones go on top. Tread FedEx to check, press the red button next. Pack, whack, collapse. The green mail sacks go to Jack's right after I put my year-end evaluation in the management trainee mailbox. One of them fresh out of my colleague's cookie cutter fucker invites me to meet the buddies for drinking at McCuddley's. I only want a nine to five. That classified didn't say nothing about having to socialize. Now this wage slave is T minus Heineken's from Critical Mass. I mean, I'll stop there because I'll read another one. But um, yeah, that wasn't my poem. That was Paul Beatty. So like, um, that was just, a random one there. I was trying to find one, one that was more familiar with, maybe a shorter one, but that's cool. But yeah, no, he's he's an interesting writer because if you if you're interested about how um how like vocal poetry or spoken word poetry is laid out on the page, his his poetry is very um sporadic, like all over the place. Um, so yeah, I check it out. Right, this poem. Right. Yeah, this poem's called Dimba Damba Green Grass. And um Dimba Damba means King of Thieves. It's like an old English word. Wait if I can load. soft wind lifts the field's feel past the science of photons and atoms. Different distances of meaning spoken through the twilight sky and its darkening mountain. Within curving slopes, pine trees make a forest. Birds create song. Sheep roam freely. Below and around peaks, beside and overlooking lakes, lie the homes of people whose names enact a nod to life's steady and contingent repetition. Auntie M, daughter of M, daughter of M, daughter of Fat Rock, Wolf, son of Wolf, son of Wolf, son of Skylark, son of Traveller. In the town of Fat Rock, famous for its own type of blood sausage, lived a man who over time acquired many names like Dimbadamba or Greengrass, along with rumors of a small fortune he was sitting on. Every evening, he would make an excuse, sneak off, and wander alone to the square where the new Eurodog van stood, buy himself one Eurodog and have it on the green benches to the side. This snag of stealthy business became bond in the half legend, no, became a bond legend for the fleeting age of the popular Eurodog. Legend had a habit of spilling from the brook of Greengrass's personal ploys into fat rock folklore. Police knocked the door down over six barrels in his yard. He told people he was collecting for a race and got logged with rainwater, but were actually filled with potato bimba for my feet and terrible back pain. When he passed on to greener grasses, he left all to his sister and his nephew, who moved into the small shaded family home. 
different body, same facial expression, they say, that sinks more than that rises, joined by a fast nod and a hello that carries the mind to the top of the town where it looks back from a field. Unmuted now. Hi. Um. Okay. So, our, thanks so much, Bart. Hope everything's going okay over there. <laughs> um. Next is Karen Middleton, who I believe is on page one for me. There you are. Hi. Hello. I'm asking you to unmute. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can everybody else? Um, thanks for having me on. Happy birthday to Andy. Um, I've got three poems here. Uh, the first one, two is about the pandemic, or whatever you want to call it, the world that we're living in today. The first one, um, I wrote when I took my blind friend to the seaside with the dogs, and she asked me to describe everything around her, because obviously... No, you can see. And it's called Sights and Sounds of the Seaside. A portal of sea, a blank canvas outstretched sand, surrounded by the sound of laughter of someone's son or someone's daughter, lapping up the fun in the never-ending water. Tanned couples walk by, sunglasses on head. Rolled up jeans, holding shoes in their hands, planning their brand new happy ever after. Bike riders riding, joggers jogging, dog walkers walking. More kicking, more splashing and jumping over waves. More reminiscing, kissing, more memories made. Children collecting pebbles and shells and anything else they can fit in their bucket as well. Bucket and spade in chubby little hands, building castles made of sand. Stick as pen and sand as paper, writing a message to be read later. A little girl runs by with an ice cream. She tells her brother he's being mean. She trips and screams and falls over wearing nothing but flip-flops. And he laughs and hits her with his soggy socks. Mothers pouring out of flasks, brushes hands of children away and demands, did you ask? More wrappers and already overflowing bins. Couples in cars eating chips and drinking tea. These are the sounds of the seaside, Tracy, and this is what I see. The first one. Yeah. Um, I haven't got a title for this one. Um, I've just sort of done it. Um, so these are the two about the pandemic. We have TVs to watch, should for now shops, frontline workers who keep on keeping on, 
feeding and servicing the nation. We have popping to the shops for necessary things, standing in lines and lines outside on mobiles, texting unnecessarily, checking Facebook, sending hashtags, carrying home co-op hash browns, in Iceland, recycled carrier bags. We have staying in and we have staying safe. Duvet days and PJ days. Dancing in the street, makeshift libraries and keep fit DVDs. We have gone for the burn for goodness sake, but instead we go to the fridge for a piece of cake. We have devoted loved ones, we miss hugging and holding close. We have sitting in the garden, eating tea and toast. We have wearing flip-flops, doing TikToks with the locals, sending virtual hugs and roses. We have Zooming, talking to people not in the same room. We have singing from the rooftops and box sets to bins wash. We have to all ride the storm but the tide will soon turn and soon life will return to the norm. And this is the last one. Or oh, the nasty hooky thorn. Mud sticks to spade, spade sticks to mug, muck, unearthing, searching, making a mulching, mulching sound. Muck sticks to rake, rake sticks to mud. Lesson learning for culprits trodden ground. Again, the nasty hooky thorn has struck. Another, taken another flower with it, too soon plucked. Another piece of fruit, just not good enough. But the more I dig down, the more I feel like I'm going to drown. The more I believe, the more I feel like it's dragging me under. And I wonder, as I watch this silent clematis climb and spread and grow, will this ever end? Will this ever go? But I know one day the dark clouds and rainy days will stay away. And the sun will glow and stay, showing rainbows shining brightly, harvesting produce once again on the horizon. Hardy plants that once upon a time didn't stand a chance, stand strong again like soldiers on inspection day. Seedlings that, needing, that were needing help, ag now agile, thriving, and bordering on floral society. Adorning window boxes, hanging baskets and tubs, bouquets of poppies, waving to and through, dancing and prancing, like red ballerinas in a row, bending, stretching, and touching their toes to the trees, exquisite beautiful bouquets of Wellington boots, rows of crispy lettuce, crunchy carrots, 
juicy tomato and other succulent fruits. Okay. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Karen. I think the, the consensus seems to be that everybody loves your accent. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, because I'm sitting in Glasgow. It's like so interesting to hear like, who loves the other, like everybody seems to love the accent, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's always weird as an American to hear that people like your accent. That happens a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It's just, that's just strange, but I'm sure it happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so, like, I think, wait, hold on, let me see. Are we on? We are right smack dab on time. How exciting. Fiona, you are up next. Hi, darling. Um, so I'm unmuting you. Hello. 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 How are you? <laughs> All right. Finally got some work done today. I'm working on a new book and I've been not concentrating at all. Oh, no. <laughs> Anywho, um, I haven't got any Scots poems for tonight, but uh, Ben and I and a few others in Aberdeen and environs and including the folk from joined from here last week for doing the June Poetry Challenge. So I had a catch up last night um, on some. So one of them is a pandemic poem and the other two are related to the um, Black Lives Matter protest. We had a really amazing poster protest in Aberdeen and it was all completely organized by um, the girls that run Hysteria, our um, Women in Non-Binary Poetry Night. And it's just, it's just been great. So. I, again, like some other white folk, have just sat and thought, okay, we don't want to offend, what do we do to help? So contributed my poster. Um, I'm actually, I've actually been asked to do a bit of research on Aberdeen's uh, black history. So I shall and see what we have. So first of all, we've got a poem called These Days, and this is the pandemic one. The days we're living in are like no other. Never in history was there a total lockdown. Never have we been so afraid of a little virus. Yet, it has not done the damage of its big daddy, the Black Death, supreme killer of all recorded history. Our ancestors had wild theories, just as some of us do. What brought the plague upon us, them? Take herbs and a hanky, wear a mask on public transport. Run from the fetid air of the city. Don't you come to the highlands with your germs. The miasma of death is what spreads it. Comes from bats, comes from rats. It escaped from a lab. God is punishing our wicked ways. God is making us think again. The plague doctor's PPE was a leather coverall, hat and that fearsome beak. Bring out your dead was his order. Bury them in mass graves. In New York, there are thousands of mass graves. He chalked the cross on the door. Keep out, plague is in this house. Family were left to die in isolation. Feel the vulnerable in isolation. But people went about their business, plague or no plague. We're more enlightened. Well, we aren't. Africa, decimated by AIDS and Ebola, already had procedures in place to track this invisible pest. We. Waited too long. 
Sweden tried to do what their medieval ancestors had, sadly to no avail. Now they're having to do what they should have done at the start. These days are full of recriminations. Who to blame for the mess? The virus is to blame for the death, surely. But hindsight will be a marvellous thing. I pray these days will never come again. That's the first one. Thank you. This next one, um, it's a, it was the first prompt for the June challenge, Sunrise. Um, and I went a bit folklore because that's what my PhD is in folklore. And it ended up being a comment on the current situation. So amazing how it works. It's called Sunrise. Raz beetle rolling up the sun pushes a golden disc across the sky. So the old world believed. Hard task pushing a new world into being. Raz tears for the human race who still battled against his rule till he sent his eye to burn them into submission. Some of us are still battling against change, change that's needed. Yet we'd pull us all back down into the dark with no light, no freedom, until all are free. Oh, for the day when Raz Beetle rolls up with the sun and lights a new dawn, for colour does not matter, and we are all Raz children, and he sheds tears of relief. Yeah, it was a bit fun. There was something on the TV about one of those conspiracy type programs. I think it was something about NASA's unexplained files or something. We're speaking about the, the scarab beetle. And I'm thinking, ironically, a scarab is just a dung beetle. <laughs> so here's my last one. Um, the prompt was Cataclysm. The, my title is Stone Dead. A black man called George reignited a revolution. He didn't intend to. And I'm sure he didn't fully expect to die that day. Yet the more I read, the more I'm surprised this didn't happen sooner. We can claim ignorance, but it was there all the time on our doorstep. Some say, but our police don't detain blacks. Uh, they do. In certain cities, whether north or south, bad things happen. The brush tars them all the same. But if he was innocent, the police would have left him alone. Not true. So many stories coming out of colored people who are upright citizens being pointed at and accused because some little old white lady said, he's the man that robbed me. A college lecturer grabbing a snack before work ends up being held by the police told, you fit the description exactly. He was a black man with a knitted turi. The woman insisted he was the one. How many white boys wandering down the road wear woolly hats and nobody gives a hoot? Finally, he's released. No apology, no nothing. Only a little black lady who stood near him and wouldn't leave. He said he'd prayed, don't leave, sister. She'd heard his silent pleas. She walked into his car. I have to teach, he kept saying. Go home, calm down, take it easy, she said. He drove to work. He broke down in tears, still saying, I have to teach. This man, his brother and sisters in the skin, shouldn't have to teach us not to hate them, not to fear them. But ignorance has stoked the fire of fear for centuries now. The fire of indignation was what blew up this week in my lifetime, in the middle of a pandemic. George was a catalyst, 
for a cataclysm of frustration as people of all colours and creeds and orientations came out to say no. Some, yes, were more violent than others, but that's what a cataclysm is. When the dust clears, let's keep working to kill racism stone dead. Cheers. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that went down well. Hi, okay. Thank you so much, Fiona. Hope everything's going well. Oh, it's a bit better. It was nice and wet today, so I didn't need to go out. <laughs> Today's the day my the, the motorcycle mechanic decided to call and say that it's ready and I can pick it up. I'm like, oh. great. It's been sunny and like, you know, beautiful out for the last all of lockdown until today and that's when my motorcycle's ready thanks a lot right <laughs> oh, second not picking it up anyways um thank you so much and next we have oh no i just screwed up and asked the wrong person to unmute it is shani who's next and i know she's here because I saw her. Hi, Miss Callowander. Cadwallander. I always like see the all the syllables and like do a camalama wallalanda. That happens a lot. Actually, that's that's gonna come up later. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm Miss Cadwallander because I'm a teacher and I forgot to change my name. <laughs> but I'm Shani Cadwallander for those of you who uh, don't know me, and for those of you who do as well. Um, so I'm going to read three poems tonight, and they are kind of all sort of about racism. Um, one's about one's against the British government, one's against the US government, and the third one is about uh, me, my identity. So the first one is called Announcement, and I wrote it around the time that the um, the ridiculous new measures to stay alert and control the virus came out. This is announcement. At this time of crisis, we urge you, stay alert to our misleading double dealing. It's clear what we're saying. To keep our gas lights on, please do and die. Hawks out dove denying, measure modifying, with their talons in your sockets as you clap the dead flag flying. The blind would lead the blind if we hadn't cut the means to cover eyes. That's number one. Um, so I wrote this one um, when I heard, the day that I heard that Donald Trump had been elected and um, just, just as relevant now, if not more so. It's called, While We Were Sleeping. Today, the sky is falling, like they always said it wouldn't. Pigs will fly banners that flout it. We can do nothing about it. Like a joke already spoken when somebody else was weeping. Like the hands of violation through our dreams while we were sleeping. That's number two. Um, and the final one uh, needs some contextualizing, particularly if you're a radio listener. I'm a brown person um, with a Persian first name and a 
Welsh surname, uh, which you know should tell you that I'm mixed race. So often on those forms where you have to specify your ethnicity, I have to tick the box that says other brackets, please specify. So this poem is called Other, Please Specify. When you ask where I'm really from, what can I say? I'm as vast as the sea's multitudinous sway and the storms I have weathered, you'll never deny me. The places I come from are places inside me and England is mine and it owes me a living. The things I have got, I deserved to be given. Are you asking for history? What's in a name? A mirror of memory from a line of saints. Tyneside toughened, hard to shatter, nut brown, ale pale, rain-soaked patter, glinting shards in your gray matter. My nationality? To round it down, I'm Welsh, Scots, Irish, English, and brown, with a Persian name handed like recipes down from Bengali grandparents in a northern town. And if you go barking up my family tree, it's a flowering bower, roots deep as the sea, and its branches reach corners that you'll never see, and your kind's poultry poison won't get rid of me. How can history be lost if we're making it now, paying slaveholders off with the sweat of our brows? But I won't tick your boxes when making my mark and you'll be the one who stays locked in the dark when you can't file me neatly away on your shelf. Other, please specify, I am myself. Thank you very much. Oh, yay, thank you so much. <laughs> Miss Cadwallander. Miss Cadwallander, Cadwallander, yeah, the, the last bit all goes together. <laughs> Whamalama. I just like playing Whamalama on things. Jamalama Ding Dong. Thanks so much for coming tonight. Um, and oh my God. So it is time for Andy. Is Andy ready? Let's see. Oh, I can't see him because I got to turn off the spotlight video. Are you ready, babe? I'm not. Um... <laughs> Can you hear me okay? Yeah. All right. Do you um, want... <laughs> do you what want... Was that, you want me to call on somebody else? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I'm gonna read this. That's uh, all. No, that's okay. Um all right. What about Ian Henry? Oh, that correctly. Hi. Are you ready to go? I've asked. Can you hear me, Erin? Yes, I can. All right, what do you think? How do you feel about this? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> can I wish, can I, yeah, can I start off by wishing Andy a happy birthday? You can start off. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Can we all say happy birthday to Andy? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I won't embarrass you. Um, I totally agree with what Erin was saying uh, at the start. As you can see, I'm a a white person as well. What do I know about racism? And it, it's, it's something that we want to stand in solidarity with. We can't be silent, but how do we give voice to that? 
So what I start off, what I thought I'd start off doing tonight, sharing with you all tonight, is a poem I wrote for the NHS when they were doing um, appeals for blood donors, and it's called One Blood, and I wrote it as a sonnet, and it goes like this: One blood, although we have different skin, the pulse of life beats in all of our hearts, regardless of the wars which tear apart. People all bleed the same colour within. The human race is one which we can win. The world's rivers flow into one ocean and we have all the same needs and emotions. To give upon ourselves would be a sin. The world is not separate warring states. One people, one kingdom and one planet. Heart filled with love and not full of granite. And we must stop the misery and hate. One blood. Come together and celebrate. Tears of pain replaced by laughter and mirth. It is time to prove humanity's worth. One blood. Shared lives. Together. In one fate. Thank you. Can't hear um, so that's one blood. Okay. Last shoot. Do you have? Do you Last have? Two. I didn't want to make you sit in silence. There's. Do you have more? Oh yeah. Uh, so okay, that cool. that poem. Last then. Tuesday, when I seen what was going on in the world, I had to do something. I had to give voice to what I was seeing because you can't be silent. So I wrote a play. It's uh, street theatre. And um, it, 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 I've got a black cast. I've got a black filmmaker. What I'm trying to do now is to find a black producer and a black director so the play has a totally black voice. And I'd like to read a little bit from the play, please. Uh, and uh, it goes like this. Sleepers awake. What has happened? Silence no more. What happened to human rights and rule of the law? Why should I be silenced? There is corruption within that judges someone's worth by color of their skin. Why should I be silenced? My concern's not valid. Inequality, poor diet, wretched and pallid. Why should I be silenced? You ditch my things when I know that only love can bring healing. Why should I be silenced? You treat me with contempt, thinking from kindness and decency you're exempt, silent no more. I speak for those with no voice, deny their human rights, doors barred, no choice. I speak out when I see discrimination, injustice, hate crime and dehumanization. Three crimes were committed against humanity, apartheid, Jewish Holocaust and slavery. Silent no more when racism rears its head. Silence colludes when we just gawp at the dead. Why should I be silenced? All of our lives matter. Black, white, Asian, in social media's chatter. Death of the messenger. Let's not forget their names. And point the finger at monsters who are to blame. Stephen Lawrence, George Floyd, and Martin Luther King. Many more if we begin to remembering. You died before your time. We are in your debt. Every life is equal least we forget. Thank you. 
Do I have time for one more? Yes, you do. Thank you, Erin. Before lockdown, I was doing creative writing sessions for people in recovery from addiction. And the problem for people in addiction is that the drugs have numbed their senses, their emotions. And the idea of creative writing is to get them back in tune with their authentic voices. And one of the exercises that I did with them uh, is to look at found poems. So newspaper headlines cut out and arranged for them. Um, and song titles. And I love a band called the Ramones. And this is an example that I gave my group before lockdown. It's called Ramones Poem. It's, it's a found poem. And every line is a, uh, a song title by the band. And I wanted it to be a nice punchy poem about mental health. And it goes like this. Have a nice day, they say, in the company of my mental health. Take it as it comes. Should never have opened that door. Hear that? Tock, tick, tick, tock, tock, tick. Hear that anxiety? Time bomb. Ready to go off any minute? Why are you leaving? Today's done, all screwed up with the shapes of things to come. Do you remember me howling at the moon? Here's bad brain from planet Earth. I'd shout, are you listening? Don't go. This business is killing me. I'm not bargain basement. I just want to have something to do. Listen to my heart. Share a little bit of soul with somebody to love. Find something to believe in. Why is it always this way? This ain't heaven. And I'm not afraid of life. But I'm told to talk to rainbows and find the place where ignorance is bliss. Main man. Take the pain away. I don't care. Can't control myself. I need your love. You're here today, gone tomorrow. And I'm one step out of time. Thank you, Erin. Happy birthday, Andy. What chock full of lyrics. There's a little Rolling Stones ref at the end. <laughs> Anyways. Um, sorry, I probably noticed this was more because I was Rolling Stones dork. Um, I wanted to know whether Andy, you want to go or do you want to take a break and go after the break? What do you think? I'll go now. Yeah, okay, cool. Right on. Is that, is, is that cool though? Yeah, it's casual because we're supposed to break at nine. Oh. Okay, sorry. Cool. I'll just read this really, really slowly. All right. Um, <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't going to read this one because, well, I don't know. It's like sort of a, a poem written initially, just after everything that's been going on. It's, it was mostly just a lot of anger. Um, but also, I'm wildly aware that I'm white. Um, but this comes, and I know intent isn't always what matters. Um, but this, this sort of protest from the perspective of someone who considers themselves an ally, um, it's raw, it hasn't been edited, um, and it, it doesn't have an end. I'm just going to read it. 
the lights are out. Can you hear me all right, by the way? You fast off. Two seconds. Can somebody like put a thumb up? Cool. Yeah. Right. Thanks. The lights are out in the White House. Fences are up. As if what we need right now is more segregation. Bridges are burning while the leader sits behind the screen, pissing about on Twitter, adding more fuel to the fire with wisdom such as when the looting starts, the shooting starts, or get tough police. The leader of the supposed free world is nothing more than a fucking child in a tantrum, playing president, declaring war on his own people. People who just want to be heard. We no longer have the right to remain silent. You no longer have the right to ignorance. Ignorance is no longer an excuse in the face of star-spangled systemic oppression. So listen. Please just fucking listen. Listen as people exercise their right to free speech. The information is out there. All of the history, all of the blood, all of the times they tried and all of the times we failed to listen. Search for it. Learn from it. Educate yourself. It's on you. Educate your friends. It's on them. Educate your family. It's on us. Support black artists. Support black businesses. Support black equality. Better yet, fucking demand it. Take a knee. Take a stand. Make a choice. Make a difference. But do not stay silent. Thanks. Yay, Andy Talbot, what a poem. Oh, I supported every single bit of the statements, all of them. Yay, that was so good. Yeah, more. Okay. So on that cathartic note, <laughs> um, <laughs> let, us, let us say, oh, sorry, um, it's 8.53 now. So let's come back at eight, or sorry, nine, is nine ten good? What do you think, Andy? Uh, yeah. Um, Too long? Like, I don't know, I feel like. Like 15 minutes is fine, 10, I think. All right, so 15 we take. I will yeah. come back and Okay, cool, thanks so much everybody for being here. It's fun. Hooray. <sighs> Anyways, okay, cool. You are listening to Mutiny Radio. I'm going to play some music in the break here of the poetry reading from Glasgow, Scotland, that we're having a great time. Choose Poetry, Choose Life. It was started uh, during COVID here, and uh, it's continuing, and it's amazing, and I love this. I love this open mic, and I uh, it's so curated and so great. It really is. It's so Everyone is so talented. And that last poem by Andy Talbot was amazing. Ah, he said, he said, and I love that they're from Scotland and they're in a totally different place, but everything that he said is so perfect for what we need to be doing in the, in the anthem that we need to get behind, which is we are the people and do we, you know? Oh, we'll be back in 15 minutes. We're going to play a little music here. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm too high. I'm very confused. Uh, okay, we'll be back with some music here on Mutiny Radio.
right. Just to bring you guys back. A little music from Death Grips. Ah.
so carefree together that it does seem a shame that you can't see your future with me cause you'd be old so easy to listening to Mutiny Radio, that was Billie Holiday, and we're back with the poetry reading here. It's the Choose Poetry, Choose Life Zoom poetry reading, and uh, we're all here, and it's exciting. It's Andy Talbot's birthday. He just read amazing poem before the break about how our president is a piece of dog shit, <laughs> so... <laughs> Stand up, everybody, and say something. He's so dumb. I've been enjoying the Facebook posts of people just writing like, he, our president is so dumb. I'm like, I know. What if we all just like, what if everybody quit his Twitter at the same time? What if everybody was just like, we're going to actually do an activist thing and we're just going to delete him. We're going to block him on Twitter and Instagram. Block the president. That's what I say. Do something real, everybody. I'm not even on Twitter, so I can't uh, do that. But, uh, hey, you're listening to MutinyRadio.fm. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And we're back with the poetry reading. I'm going to put up a little more Billie Holiday, and we're going we're gonna to start it up. Off with my glove. I need no overcoat. I'm burning with love. My heart's on fire. The flame grows higher. So I will weather the storm What do I care how much it may storm I've got my love to keep me warm 
Yay, Billie Holiday. A uh, little known fact about Billie Holiday, she actually sang here in San Francisco at Wazima, which is now still, it's a bar. Obviously, all the bars are still closed, but Wazima on Division Fell. Hello. Oh, hey, you're back. Everybody. Yay. We're back. It's we're back. Time, we're back. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Bring it, yeah, girl. It's time. I love yeah. that poem by Andy. I Bob can't. I want to hear it. That poem was so great. I, I want to hear that you want to go back or do you want to go next? Which is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really ready. But... Okay. You don't have to go. I mean, you don't have to go next. It's all right. I have to go next because I got to leave. Like, oh, okay. um, that's, that's the deal right now. How do you want to work? <laughs> it? Just wait. It's not that long. It's not going to take that long. That's totally cool. Yes, shall I go next? Yes, please. Okay, so I will present to you a trio of poems, three different poems. Uh, like, like a band of cowboys, there's a good one, there's a bad one, and there's a mediocre one. Sadly, the good one is not mine. <laughs> Uh, the first one is born by Rita Dove, and it's very enigmatic poet of the past that has very important verses to share, and I would like to share this poem with you now because I think it's in tune with everything that's going on. It's called The First Book, The First Book, and it goes like this. Open it, go ahead, it won't bite. Well, maybe a little more a nip, like a tingle. It's pleasurable, really. You see, it keeps on opening. You may fall in, sure. It's hard to get started. Remember learning to use knife and fork? Dig in, you never reach bottom. It's not like it's the end of the world, just a word as you think you know it. That That's kind of it. It's a very short poem, but I think it has a deep meaning behind it. And as we have seen these past days, there's been riots and protests going on. These protests, are very necessary for humanity to progress. We need them to walk forward. Because especially the US, in the US, we've been stuck with this virus called racism, which we can't really get rid of in a stroke. Mm. And now I'd like to read you a very bad poem I wrote. I think it's terrible because it has eye rhyme, it's very bad rhyme, it's form, it's horrible to my eyes. But I think the meaning behind it, it's kind of cool. It's not really related to uh, the protests, or maybe to some of them, but it's a poem about my gender identity. And it's called A Wall of Stone. And it goes like this. It seems that these days society is full of people who have a law degree because they happen to be full of grudges. Can you not see that I happen to be 
surrounded by judges. Who else is to state my gender, if not me? Who is uh, meant to have a say my sexuality, if not me? Who establishes my pronouns, if not me? There happens to be only one being living within this body, and that's me. Now, it, it is kind of us. It is us and not me, because there's millions who happen to be living with the same grudges, grasps, grasped by the same clutches of society. Society quietly denies the aid of Calliope, the muse of epic poetry. Society wants a quiet me, living with silent anxiety, living with a psyche with no variety. Society wants a quiet me, but freedom has invited me. Love has guided me to act against their dynasty. But there can be no quiet me if there is no me. And that is the irony. That is why I shout to thee, Romeo in a seas. Truth is, there is transgenderism in me, and I happily, willingly, lovingly accept me. There shall be no quiet us, because if they try to silence us, there will be riot first. Because even now, Stonewall is in our guts. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's kind of hateful, that one. The last poem is kind of in tune with the protest, because it kind of talks about justice and justice and, and what should we do to change things. But it's a very political poem because it was based on a political book, a book which was called The Conquest of Red by an author called Peter Kropotkin. That's the main influence of this poem. And it starts with a paragraph that's in prose poetry, which kind of describes what's going on with a very intricate vocabulary. And then it goes on with a set of verses that kind of exemplifies what, what I think is going on and what should be going on. Because, because, you know, we are condemned to live with racism for long. And those that created it need to, need to stay away from society for a while. The poem goes like this. What is bread? What is bread? If not this mystical divine victual which sustains human life. 30,000 years of history hold within these pieces of art. Painted with rain and water upon a fiery canvas. They are the essence of godlike carbohydrates becoming complex with the mixture of grains whole ale divine and yeast sublime. This relic of the past, stolen by the higher class, is now acquired back through the thiefly hands 
of this poem, which materializes into a figure of power, made of rhymes that can devour both the bread and the rich in one mouthful. These verses are the ire, the fury, and the power of the human flowers, chanting in unison as with musical vocal notes conceive the foundation of a verdant power which acts as a canopy insulating humanity. So there goes, there goes the introduction. So mainly the poem is using bread as a metaphor, just like the book I cited before, The Conquest of Bread. This poem is titled The Revolution of Bread. An isle of grains annihilates all pain with weaponized starch, vim in a wet pond, eyes march upon the crust whose molecules become dust. A pattern of genetic matter organizes into helixes that rise like butterflies. They flutter in my eyes and release human beings from the gutter. We will chase them through the wild, seeking answers. Strike them with guns and reason first like Black Panther. Running through the jungle, I bite the boudoir like black, like a black and red adder. Empowered by bread, I raise in the oven like a feminist, like feminist witches forming a coven. Bitches, dogs, and rodents, they all unite under the revolutionary moment. United, we will make them agonize. I advise to fantasize, because we will rise tonight. We will rob their shoes and make them walk on ice. Organize around the organize and break the chalk lines. A pedestal of granite symbolizing the walker-managed planets, bread guardians shall become victors of the warfare that freedom granted to the pro classes that ran it while they were hanging bandits who with the bourgeois once slanted. The revolution of bread uniting wheat and rye, uniting street and rhyme, uniting you and I. Mm. Mm. I don't know, he, he's a good. And I think that's it. If because I, I don't know if I have much time. Uh, I mean, could I do one more if you let me? Only one. It's a long one, but I've been wanting to share this poem with more people for a long time. It's a weird. It's a very weird poem. I advise, and it's it's an exorcist which means that it's kind of the description of a painting or the impression that the painting gives me. I will link the painting to you, uh, but I think the, work, the link is not working. Mm. Um. There you go. 
that last link is the painting I made the actresses on. It's Diogenes sitting in a jar made by Jean-Léon Jérôme. And uh, the poem is really titled Painted Verses because I didn't want it to have the title of the, of the painting itself. And it's kind of long, so I should start now. A flock of comrades for like nature form a circle and gather their collective thoughts, channel them in the shape of a directed glance, pointed at the figure of no other canis than the representation, the, than the representation in flesh of Zeus, holding instead of thunder a lamp in plain daylight. These canis cannot ever cease their quarry in search of naught but a breathing soul with the landish attributes of a man with hue, who traps thoughts within the ivory school, pours emotions through the scarlet heart. The flock stands with open eyes upon the equal, although far less on the cortex, there is fur upon their filling box and their thought amphora. There is a canis soul living within this walking flesh tree who is claimed to be Zeus's, Zeus's offspring. Oh, Canis. By the way, Canis and Canis means dog in Latin. Oh, Canis, have the outlandish ability of seeking joy and humility. It is a lesson to learn from them, to stay in tune with the earth. Even animals of reason and even animals of reason like us need to leave putrid material stones. Animals of reason require the exercise of reason against meaningless matter. It is deserving of flattery to be alive as a canis, just like the gene of God. By the way, the gene of God or the son of Zeus, it's known by Diogenes because it's a play on his name. That's what his name means, the son of God. Embrace florid motions of feelings. These are the storms guiding our inner weather, causing torrential rains of flowers upon the power of the man of hue, who is constantly deceived by your own shadow with lies fabricated in a forge of matter, which even Hephaestus would have despised. It is indeed love that conquers all, Love is never found in material items, but in abstract ones living within us, providing infinite emotions. The heart is not a mere organ. It is a divine yet atheist mechanism, providing us with emotional reason. Diogenes was right. The only moment we take flight as humans, not as birds, is when we embrace both shadows and light, not just the artificial rays of man-made bulb. Tech is but a tool. Humans are as well technological fools, as many, if not all, forget that there is no meaning in anything. Diogenes was the son of Zeus, but in name. Diogenes was actually a time traveler who utilized philosophy as a time machine to visit his actual father, Nietzsche, who 
he himself gave birth to Diogenes after being violated by the abyss, who he constantly stared in. Nietzsche utilized philosophy to take Diogenes to the time of the formidable Greek. That was Diogenes's only safe place to live. Diogenes now, after discovering that philosophy was a tool to flow through history, arrived at the humble, meaningless, obscure, book-filled abode of Nietzsche, where this poet of Nihil was sitting trapped in unchained by the abyss. Diogenes threw his lamp into the abyss, filling it with the light of human bliss, causing its demise, accompanied by a tormenting three-second deafening hiss. Saving Nietzsche, his atemporal father, from the capital which he himself created, by giving birth through words written on paper, changing atoms of tree fiber into an endless fabric of dark ink. Then Diogenes, with no word coming from his cave with teeth, but a bark made of sound waves of reason and emotion, the dog slit his father's throat with an imaginary pen, which he created with the power of words, catalyzed through philosophy. The gene of God was free of ties, and with pen held within his raising first, the thought that comes out of very cold first is, dogs are more human than bunny materially obsessed humans could ever wish to be. That's it. Hopefully there's no more lines. No. <laughs> that is so awesome. Thank you. I love the, uh, like, we've, now we're introducing ekphrasis and anarchists, <laughs> anarchists. I'm loving it. Um, <laughs> that's great. Um, oh, right. Thank you so you much. Right. It bleeds, like, I'm, uh, like, it bleeds right into, um, what I was gonna read, so that's great. Like <laughs> it bleeds. It bleeds. Um, bleeds. I hope the rest of your evening goes well. That you have whatever it is that you have to. Yeah, stuff to deal with. Thank you. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks so much for coming and reading tonight. Yeah, um, it was. I enjoyed it a lot. Cool. Thanks. Um, See y'all. Yeah. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Um, so, okay, so I'm, my slot is next. I have, I have, I was going to do one, one of my own and, um, but the first I was going to do, I'm going to read and then I have a video of one of my favorite people ever reading and, or performing, reading, performing, and then I'll do one of my own. The first, uh, the reason why I said it bleeds, uh, what Flavius did bleeds is because I'm kind of an old school lefty. So I picked uh, some stuff by old school lefties, um, more 60s era than say Kropotkin. But um, so the first uh, piece I have is by Nikki Giovanni. I'm not sure if, if who, like if people are familiar with Nikki Giovanni, but she was one of the more 
radical, um, I guess, like black liberation poets in the late 60s and early 70s. She founded uh, the chapter of the Students for Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, uh, which was kind of the radical group that the Black Panthers merged with later. This uh, snake, as they came to be known, were more a uh, Southern thing. And obviously the Panthers were more Oakland and the Bay Area. But um, so yeah, so she's, and she's around. She made some news calling people out a couple years ago about precisely the stuff that's conflagrating now. Um, but this one, uh, I was going with um, a Chicago theme because I'm from Chicago, and so and so. But the, there is a Chicago theme. But this poem is called Rosa Parks. Um, yeah. So this is for the Pullman porters who organized when people said they couldn't, and carried the Pittsburgh Courier and the Chicago Defender to the Black Americans in the South so they would know they were not alone. This is for the Pullman porters who helped Thurgood Marshall go south and come back north to fight. The fight that resulted in Brown versus the Board of Education because even though Kansas is west and even though Topeka is the birthplace of Gwendolyn Brooks who wrote the powerful, the Chicago defender sends a little man or a man to Little Rock. It was the Pullman porters who whispered to the traveling men, both the blues men and the race men so they would both know what was going on. This is for the Pullman porters who smiled as if they were happy and laughed like they were tickled when some folks were around who silently rejoiced in 1954 when the Supreme Court announced its 9-0 decision that separate is inherently unequal. This is for the Pullman porters who smiled and welcomed a 14-year-old boy onto their train in 1955. They noticed his slight limp that he tried to disguise with a doo-wop walk. They noticed his stutter and probably understood why his mother wanted him out of Chicago during the summer when school was out. 14-year-old black boys with limps and stutters are apt to try to prove themselves in dangerous ways when mothers aren't around to look for them. So this is for the Pullman porters who looked over that 14-year-old while the train rolled the reverse of the Blues Highway from Chicago to St. Louis to Memphis to Mississippi. This is for the men who kept him safe. And if Emmett Till had been able to stay on a train all summer, he may have grown a bit of a paunch, certainly, lost his hair, probably would have worn bifocals and bounced his grandchildren on his knee, telling, him, uh, telling them about his summer riding the rails. But he had to get off the train and ended up in money, Mississippi, and was horribly, brutally, inexcusably, and unacceptably murdered. This is for the Pullman porters who, when the sheriff was trying to get the body secretly buried, got Emmett's body on the northbound train, got his body home to Chicago, where his mother said, I want the world to see what they did to my boy. And this is for all the mothers who cried. And this is for all the people who said never again. And this is about Rosa Parks, whose feet were not so tired. It had been, after all, an ordinary day until the bus driver gave her the opportunity to make history. This is about Rosa Parks from Tuskegee, Alabama, who was the, also the field secretary of the NAACP. This is about the moment Rosa Parks shouldered her cross put her worldly goods aside and was willing to sacrifice her life so that young men in money, Mississippi, who had been so well protected by the Pullman porters would not have died in vain. 
When Ms. Mrs. Parks said no, a passionate movement was begun. No longer would there be a reliance on the law, there was a higher law. When Mrs. Parks brought that light of hers to expose the evil of the system, the sun came and rested on her shoulders, bringing the heat and the light of truth. Others would follow Mrs. Parks. Four young men in Greensboro, North Carolina would also say no. Great voices would be raised singing the praises of God and exhorting us to forgive those who trespass against us. But it was the Pullman Porters who safely got Emmett to his grand uncle. And it was Mrs. Rose's Parks who could not stand that death. And in not being able to stand it, she sat back down. Um, thank you. So, okay, so the next guy, this is just a little more uh, 60s leftist history. Um, his name is John Trudell, and he died. He was the first of the deaths in, um, like, there was Lemmy and David Bowie, but before all of that, there was John Trudell. He died in um, 2015, and he was the um, very first head of AIM, which was the American Indian Movement, and he was the head of AIM all through the 70s. He was, uh, the, he was responsible, one of the organizers of the original uh, occupation of Alcatraz in, obviously in San Francisco. And in the late 70s, his wife, who was an activist on the Duck Reservation in Nevada, and she was pregnant and his three children were caught in, and his mother-in-law were caught in a fire on their house on the reservation in Nevada. And they had, she, his wife also was an activist and they were fighting over water rights on the reservation. And nobody ever figured out why that fire was started. And so this is a man who basically can't, and actually that, that fire happened the day after he was on the Capitol of, in Washington DC setting fire to the American flag. So, Pretty much, this guy's got a lot of anger. And in the late 70s and early 80s, he turned to taking his writing and putting it to rock and roll. So I suppose those of you who know me can see why I would be interested in this and why he's one of my favorite people. So um, I'm going to share, uh, I'm gonna share a performance of his at in, from like 1992. Um, and he's doing a poem slash song of his called Crazy Horse. So hold on, I'm gonna share the screen. Here we go, share. Can everybody see that? Uh, see a dude on a stage, John Trudell, Crazy Horse.
one earth, one mother. One does not sell the earth, the people walk upon. We are the land. How do we sell our mother? How do we sell the stars? How do we sell the air? Crazy horse, we hear what you say. Too many people standing their ground, standing the wrong ground. Predator's face, he possessed a race. Possession, a war that doesn't end. Children of God, feed on children of earth. Days people don't care for people. These days are the hardest. Material fields, material harvests. Decoration on chain that binds. Mirrors gold. The people lose their minds. Crazy horse, we hear what you say. One earth, one mother. One does not sell the earth. The people walk upon. Today is now and then. Dream smokes touch the clouds. On a day when death didn't die, real world time tricks shadows lie. Red, white, perception, deception. Predator tries civilizing us, but the tribes will not go without return. Genetic light from the other side. A song from the heart. Our hearts to give. The wild days. The glory days live. Crazy horse, we hear what you say. One earth, one mother. One does not sell the earth that people walk upon. We are the land. How do we sell our mother? How do we sell the stars? How do we sell the air? Crazy horse, we hear what you say. We are the seventh generation. The seventh generation. Crazy horse, we hear what you say. Crazy horse, we hear what you say. Crazy horse, we hear what you say. John Trudell. He's amazing. Love him. Um, so, okay, so then the next thing is a little bit like, um, it's kind of a code switch a little bit, um, but it's a throwback to the, a couple weeks ago um, when we were talking about uh, chicks having hair. So this is my hairy lady poem. <laughs> it's called Exile in Main Street. My face was pockmarked. I had, the air, I had the hairiest armpit. 
it was pretty kinky. And sometimes those boys looked like they wanted to know. The jeans I lived in hadn't been washed since 1987. I was sleek, my crotch all minks like an oil spill. Remember how Chuck Berry once did a whole interview with his face between some chick's legs? My skin was too white for my black hair. Black widows crawled on my forearms, legs, eyebrows. I could see every one of my muscles, but I probably couldn't have hurt anyone. I had a Norplant that fed my bloodstream as I breathed, hormones that may yet give me a heart attack if I keep smoking. The Norplant was so I wouldn't get pregnant if someone decided to fuck me and find out about how my fingernails were always short so they didn't hurt very much when I scratched a man's back or how my cum was buckfast sweet despite the level of my whiskey intake. I cried too back then, but no one ever saw that. By crying time, the spiders had overtaken their eyes. They'd be scared even of my eyelashes. And then it would all end, each and every one of them, like they'd interviewed me with their heads between my legs. That's the hairy girl poem. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, so that's enough for me. Um, and so we were supposed, okay, so now I guess Finn Hall is going. Are you ready, darling? I've asked you to unmute. I loved that. Unmuted. I loved it. Thank you so much for coming tonight. No problem. No problem. Right. Uh, first of all, I'm getting, since we're on the radio too, I'm going to say hello to a friend of mine, Nora, who's in the Valley area of California tonight, and she should be listening. Take the spot. <laughs> right. I, I've changed my mind after uh, everything has been going on tonight, and I'm going to read some... Uh, some angryish politically kind of stuff instead of some nice area theory kind of stuff. The first one is is uh, is three separate little ones that I wrote over the weekend on, on the uh, the prompt thing that we do with Fiona, and they're all just kind of basically one verse. But when I'm looking at them just now, they all work into one short poem. Uh, let's see all these days kindness. These are the ones. Okay, I have to look away. Sorry, because it's over here. Hush now. You must not say anything. You can't ask the hard questions. Don't inquire why he only appears now and then. Don't query what is in his ear. His lips are sealed. No big reveal. Just praise him for the amount of deaths he has controlled. Don't catechize him to see if he's a soul. That disappeared so long ago. He won't answer anyway, because the press let him have his way. We are fucked. And there seems no way back. It's even worse if you are black. These days, these aren't good days, days like we've never seen, days of hatred, days of pain, days of loneliness, days when ignorance rules and press no longer do their jobs, and newspapers celebrate the mobs that congregate in parks and benches, thinking COVID won't reach us, when, for economy, George is happy, leaders who appeal to, well, goodness knows who, not me, is it you? Kindness, it's not hard, is it? A smile, a glance, a thank you. Right now is when it's needed. No point scoring, no more whataboutery. It's now your fellow man that needs you. Now, not yesterday, not tomorrow. It's not hard, is it? A simple truth. Your worries pale, not that they aren't real, but just think, be kind in deeds and mind. 
That's one. <laughs> and this is one from a, a couple of years ago. Um, so it's kind of uh, having a go. So don't take offense, my American friends here. It's called Proud to be an American. Proud to be an American. I'm not going to do the accent, by the way. It gets worse as I go on. Proud to be an American. Proud to be a young. Glad that they're not British with their top hats and their swank. American Bob's countries then offers to help their war. They send in troops and massacre their poor. Proud to be an American. Proud to be a champ. And live in a big white house while others live in damp. Gladly start World War III, watch the Ruskies run, with no homes, no shelter for them, how bright the Reds will run, burn. No fat, no head, no arms, no legs, just juice. Proud to be an American, proud to be young and white. That's why Trump got elected, I'm sure. I think, I'm sure he's right. He'll sort us out okay, you see. If he don't, hit them snowflake commies with crews. Trident and new drop bombs, blast them all to kingdom come. We are safe here, hiding behind Europe. Proud to be an American, what is kicking at our door? Give us some tough medicine, she'll come running back for more. Proud to be an American, living in the USA. Proud to be American, come, see it my way, or else. <laughs> right. I Another one, but time for one. This one uh, I wrote just the end of last year, and it's got pretty much swearing in every single line of it. So I'm going to enjoy this one. And it's basically <laughs> it's basically about taking responsibility for yourself, although it's not obvious to start with. And it's called "Fuck You, Son," and it's kind of typically Scottish in its way. Fuck you, son. Fuck you, shining in my window, showing the fingerprints and smears. Fuck you, son, shining through my window, showing the dust and surface and TV screens. Fuck you, son, shining brightly outside, making me think it's not cold. Fuck you, son, and your blinding rays as I drive into the middle of the road. Fuck you, son, with your flames all ready to burn out and changing the weather. Fuck you, son, burning like a red orb, 93 million miles from here. Fuck you, son, giving people melanomas and changing the color of their skin. Fuck you, scun, son, making the grass grow so I have to cut it again. Fuck you, son, creating light that shows the dirt in my car. Fuck you, son, fuck you, fuck you, I can't even look at you anymore. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, we've got time for one more. Yeah, okay, I will, I will, uh, if you find me, I will take it down. My dear, I'll be okay with This is a, this is a nicer coin. Starts off this, I know Fiona sometimes gets this one, a little bit of trepidation with this one, because she's heard it a couple of times. I wrote it back in uh, April. The theme is natural light. It's called Northeast Midsummer. The time between sunset and sunrise, a valley full of mist, the type that lingers low, and you above at the side of the road, just away from the road, gazing at the beauty, the serenity of the world at peace, 
and that singular moment of time, the sun barely warming the air. But the promise is there, a promise of a river to be seen, some greenery to dry out. A lorry, dothering stop to Tesco, goes by, shattering the silence, but just for one moment, on one distracting and annoying moment. Then, as quick as it appeared, it's gone. A lone heron passes by, the sky still, still and waiting for more avian creatures to fill it. The tops of trees poking through the moisture, unsure as yet whether it is time to begin the day. That uncertain period in this part of the world when darkness barely reaches, barely breaches the fields and breaches, where if you stand on the shore, arms outstretched, you can almost measure the sun going down at your left hand. Then, short time later, after following the glow along the North Sea horizon, you can see it rise by your right. But wait, back by the roadside, the silence continues. More birds stir, some rabbits scamper in the field, in the other side of the field, but they pay no attention to you, to you and your silence. The mist still persists, not willing to give up its place, its place where nature controls and souls enjoys this tough, timely silence. Another truck and a car or two going where they have to go. Then, then just the natural order of lives and beasts. A bee getting the pollen before other bees, the buzzing sounding in like an air horn in the quietness. The absolute quiescence of here and now. The light is changing now. Less serene, less soft. The sun is forcing its warmth, but you still feel the chill. You lie there on the wet grass by the tracks you left. Your vehicle, not far away. The grey, low clouds disappearing, faster now, but still taciturn around you, surround you. As the day gets brighter, your weight seems lighter, your mood uncaring, sharing your thoughts with the insects. The insects crawling, crawling, not stalling as they lighten you. More noise, more cars, they stop. They look at the scenic view and you, just out of sight, you try. It's getting colder now and darker and damper. Lights flash and silence now shattered. A siren. Too, too late. You stop thinking, moving. Your car upside down yards from you, glass shattered, some entangled in your hair. You care not, you care for not. No thoughts left. Your eyes stare aimlessly. A fly lands on one. You don't blink, you don't move, you don't think. The ambulance men scramble. Scramble down the bank, the dankness not hindering, no lingering from them. They reach the stillness that is you. Too late. Your natural light has gone out. Thank you. Hope you enjoy that one. It's not creepy, Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to have to go. Love you, Amelia. I've got another gig to do on my left-hand side at my phone right now. I'm off for a demand. <laughs>
um, I'll be back, back next time. And if you look at my notes, you'll see I'm still doing this joined up writing thing. Um, 70, almost 70 different points and non-points into it just now. The latest they joined today was, was Flavius, which is thank you. Wonderful. But thanks to everyone who's done it. Everyone else want to do it, please feel free. Thanks now. Bye, guys. Thank you, Finn. Hi. Um, so, can everyone hear me okay? Yep, cool. Um, so, uh, I'm going to go again. Um, forgive me. It's my birthday. I don't know. I don't know if that's like... It's not an excuse, but it's a reason. Um, I've literally... Yeah, thank you. Um, this doesn't have a title because I wrote it in the last 15 minutes. Um, if anyone could see me just like looking down all the time. Um, I'll probably add to it. Um, I'm just going to read what's in front of me. The first little bit is slightly not related to the actual poem itself, but I'm just going to, I'm going to read it. Fuck virtue signaling, signaling. Fuck hashtags. Fuck blank squares. Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck people who see this as a moment and not a movement. That's just like a little note that I wrote on the side of the page. This isn't about us. This is because of us. This is our history. We are the ancestors of those who have inflicted centuries of generational pain. This is our mess, not our pain. And it is our place, no, it is our obligation to correct this. There is blood on all of our hands and to stay silent is to savor the stains ingrained in our DNA. It started with us. Let it end with us. Black lives fucking matter. Thanks. I don't know, like I said, I just roll it, so. Yeah, I'm good. No, I know. I'm just trying to unmute myself, Don. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so next is Rue. Hi, Rue. You have been waiting so patiently. How are you? <laughs> I actually um. So I. This is really awesome. There are so many faces here which I don't recognize. Um, and I love that. I love coming to Unite and being like, oh, new people. This is amazing. Um, also totally didn't expect to call tonight. Um, because there were so many fantastic names and voices. Um, so I was just quite happily sipping my G&T and uh, watching, love it. Um, okay, so I've got, um, just really quickly, what are the rules, how long have I got? Time for a couple or? Seven minutes. Seven minutes? Ah, you don't have to take all it right. off. Well, in that case. You don't have to take it off, but you, but you have it. If you all of that because I feel like <laughs> Sorry? Should you desire, you have seven minutes. Thank you very much. All right. Well, I won't do um, all of that time because I'm aware we're probably all getting to saturation point. Um, but I thought I would take us to um, a slightly different place. I'm aware some people won't have heard me before, so I'll do a spoken word piece. And then I've got one which has way more rhyme in it than I'd usually go for. So this first one is called Hiking with My Sisters. 
The day we climb the mountain, we are already tired. We're older than we used to be since we weren't walking just the three of us. Athos, Porthos, Aramis. We called our WhatsApp group Musker Sisters on tour like that sparkle from lives lived apart might just reignite on a different island. But I found the language barrier wasn't with the locals. My spotty Italian or my rusty French, but these creatures I share blood with. They are old and new at the same time and often I don't recognise them. Whilst we were growing up, the threads teased apart more than I thought. We're older than we used to be, since we weren't walking just the three of us. Athos, Porthos, Aramis. Three for one and one for all. It was us against the world in school. We don't meet up much now. In fact, this is our first holiday together in a decade. And we are on this mountain where the air is hot and ripe with eucalyptus where the earth has brushed my sandals red, where the sweat has become a close friend and we are climbing. We're older than we used to be, since we went walking just the three of us. Athos, Porthos, Aramis, I have been thigh deep in streams so cold they flay the flesh from me, and I have pretended to be a mountain goat, and I have shared too many uninteresting facts about the landscape because I'm running out of fat ways to distract us from the fact we don't know how to talk anymore. The distance has never stretched so wide, even though I am walking in your footsteps. Little sister grown, and soon I will be home again, up north, not south, with just a phone to bridge the gap again. And so I breathe, take stock, pretend that I've paused for a photo, ignore the sour taste of arguments still in my mouth. We have been trying so hard to make this perfect. We are missing this now. This now, which tastes like espresso, blunt, strong, a wake-up shot, hot silk on tongue, feels like promise, clear, a glow, the dot, dot, dot as hearts press in, whispering. This now is here, living. We should catch it. We must catch it before it is gone. Thank you, that's the first piece. All right. I thought, by the way, can I just point out, this was not a holiday I took recently. Uh, this has definitely not happened in lockdown, um, but I think we are all a bit starved for touch and memory and time with people at the moment. So I thought my first piece or two would be about those moments. Um, and I will do another short one for you before my last one. My most recent one. So, okay, so this one's called Common Sense, which I really wish you could see the uh, words in the title because it's a play on words and I'm really, really proud of it and it's a pun and I love it and, you know, wordy nerdy. But anyway, the point is it's called Common Sense and it's funny and you have to take my word for it. Anyway, this is called Common Sense. You knit with your fingers, even though your daughter bought you bamboo bones to wend the wool around. No, you twist the thread onto that fleshy starfish, boast that you've always spun a good yarn. That ragged ribbon snakes out from your knuckles and you tell me you love the feeling. But you've never needed the middleman anyway. I joke that you're making scars for weasels and you grunt that your client is even less discerning. When I find the loose cornrows braided together in brown paper, I can't help but tangle my fingers in the lines 